The Bible reading today is taken from James 1, verses 1 to 8, and also verse 12. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts, like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind, that man should not think he should receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Blessed is the man who, who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he received the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want to ask the question this morning, how should a Christian react in trying circumstances? What practical advice does James, the writer we heard from earlier from Wendy, have for us on, on that score? Well, he says in verses 2 to 4 that we should react to the trials and tribulations and the challenges we face joyfully. What a statement that is. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, before we go on to unpack what James is meaning here, I want to say what James is not saying. For a start, James is not saying that we should go out of our way to make difficulties for ourselves. He says, when you meet various trials or when you face trials, the actual words in the original language he uses there is when you fall into them. It's a bit like a, a pothole in the road. You did not see it coming. You could not avoid it. And you hit it and you and the, the old car are rather jarred. The suspension of your car is um, very, very was it up and down, up and down, up and down? Now, the point of the story is only a fool intentionally goes around driving into potholes. But all of us know sometimes we unintentionally hit them. Well, that's what James is talking about here. He's not advocating the martyr attitude, which goes around looking for persecution and hardships. No. He's telling us how to cope when such things hit us, as it were, unlooked for. And secondly, James here is not telling us to pretend that such trials, challenges, difficulties are in themselves happy events. He's not urging us to engage in some kind of mindless happiness. Not at all. Notice what he says. Consider it pure joy when you come into these kind of things. In other words, there is an act of mental calculation involved in this. You don't discover joy on the surface of the event. Often, all you find on the surface of the event is sadness. 
But James says there is a way of thinking about it, of reckoning it, of counting it, of calculating the consequences of difficult situations, a way in which you can discover real joy. And that's the joy James is talking about here. It's not some imaginary or self-manufactured euphoria. No. But there is a way, he says, of rationally calculating trials, which in spite of the trial's obviously unpleasant nature, can lead us to a deep sense of joy. That's what he is saying. And James does not leave us in ignorance as to what this joyful perspective on trouble and challenge and trials is. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, any of you who've read psychology books at all will know that psychologists are quite clear that you and I human beings need stresses and strains in order to develop, to mature, to grow. Human personality requires environmental stress and challenge for its development. We're all born with genetic potential, but it's the demands of practical living from the cradle upwards that bring out that potential and turn it into the psychological reality that we call character. Trials may be hard, but they are the only way to grow. And we have to experience stress and trials, uh, challenge, in order to mature as human beings. And James, long before modern psychology voiced that truth, he is saying the same thing. Think of a young person. We may say to them, count it all joy when you have to sit your GCSEs and your A-levels. Rubbish, says the student. Exams are miserable things. True, says the teacher, the lecturer. But you see, if it were not for exams, you would have little incentive to learn, for you know how idle you are. Your intelligence would remain undeveloped. You would be satisfied with achievements far below what you are capable of. You need, to be, you need to face the challenge, the discipline of being stretched if you're going to grow. And James is saying to us here, it's a joyful thing to sit those spiritual and moral examinations that we call trials. You see, God has put the seed of a new Christ-like personality within us by his spirit. But it has to develop has to develop by being placed in situations of stress, situations of trial. And do notice the two things that James says comes out of these trials. First of all, perseverance. A Christian who has gone through trials emerges surer of their faith, 
more secure in their commitment. There's no doubt in my mind that that is true. Think for a moment about bereavement, the loss of someone we love. Of course, we mourn. But it's only going through an experience like that that some of us know truly whether we believe or not. Many a nominal Christian has discovered at the graveside that in fact he has no faith at all. And many a professing unbeliever has discovered at the graveside that in spite of all their intellectual problems, they really do have the seed of faith and they can't escape that faith in their everyday life. You see, it's easy to fake faith in times of prosperity. It's easy to fake unbelief in times of prosperity. But just as a real gold shines when you put it in the fire, just as a real diamond sparkles when you immerse it in water, so real faith becomes apparent not only to others, but also to ourselves when we pass through times of testing, times of trial. And everybody who has endured trial knows whether they believe or not. And if or she does believe, that faith has a new steadfastness, a new security, a new perseverance. And secondly, James says, As that perseverance works in our lives, something even more permanent and important emerges. Maturity. Look at verse 4 again. Again. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Christian character, I want to suggest, is like a seedling. And it has to be nurtured if it's going to reach the goal of full bloom. And part of that nurturing is to bring it out of the greenhouse, out into the wind, out into the sun, out into the rain to be hardened off. And that is what's happening to us, says James, when we are facing trials. God is bringing us to a new level of maturity. And therefore we are not to view trials as sources of grievance, but as stages in that growth process. I said a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the Hebrews chapter 12 chapter that God is our father and good fathers do not pamper or spoil their children. Those of you who are parents know that there comes a stage in the child's development when you have to push them out and say, cope with this on your own. We have to put our children under some stress and and trials and challenge if they are to grow up and mature. We can't keep them, as we say, tied to our apron strings, solving all their problems for them. Like a mother bird pushing out of the nest the young, sometimes ruthlessly, because that's the only way the young ever learn to fly. And so our God refuses to mollycoddle us in warm and cosy security. He knows you can kill with kindness. And that's what James is trying to help us see here. 
God disciplines us as a child, purging out of us all the romantic, the sentimental, the emotionally, uh, the superficially emotional, so that we grow, we mature, that our relationship with him is an adult one, that we become mature sons and daughters, reflecting the maturity of Christ himself. And if you go through the Bible and underline that word mature, especially in the writings of Paul, you see it comes up again and again and again. That's his goal for his fellow believers, maturity in Christ. So don't seek out trials. That's spiritual masochism. Don't pretend that they are pleasant. That's self-delusion. But when, like potholes on the journey, you can't drive round them, Reckon yourself fortunate, for that is the way that saints are produced, not in cosy incubators, but often in the fiery crucible. Now, did you notice the link between verse 4 and verse 5? Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. What has that got to do with what James has said in the first four verses? You know, sometimes James has a bit of an obscure logic in his writings. But think about it for a moment. James is here talking about trials. And in dealing with trials, the one thing we would all agree about is that we need wisdom. You see, one of the problems we have in going through trials is that sometimes the circumstances we're going through bludgeon our mind. We don't think sensibly or rationally about our situation when we are in the middle of a testing situation, a trial, a challenge. Often, tears blur our vision when we're going through trials, don't they? And in one sense, that's fatal for James, has been saying that our whole approach to treating trials joyfully is only possible to the person thinking straight, to the person who can consider, to the person who can count it pure joy. And as I said earlier, there is a mental calculation involved. So where are we going to find what one man has described as the kind of level-headed judgment that we need as we face trials and tribulations, as we face these challenges. We need something to help us think it all through. Well, James gives us the answer. Wisdom from God. If you think circumstances are battering you senseless, I want to suggest that you ask God to give you the mental poise the insight that you need. And God will not criticise you because you can't cope with the situation on your own because you lack wisdom. No, he will give you, without finding fault, wisdom, says James. Therefore, ask God for wisdom, says James, and God will give it. However, if we do that, there is one condition for us. And the condition is this. You have to ask in a way that is trustingly confident in God's goodness 
towards you. And that's what verses 6 and 7 are all about. And if we do that, we will find that God answers our prayer for wisdom in times of trial. And we will be able to view those times of trial in a very different way. Let me end with verse 12. Blessed is the man or woman who who perseveres under trial. Because when he or she has stood the test, he or she will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. May God bless his word to us. Amen.